Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study, Quantum Kingdom Life, for those that have attended our Facebook page on that private page, and also virtualchurchmedia.com. I'm David, and my lovely wife Joanna, she normally waves, but she's off in Northern California on a ministry assignment. We just got back from Houston from the Jerusalem prayer breakfast, and spoke over there. It was about, I don't know how many people showed up from around the world. It was an amazing time in the presence of God as Jews and Christians came together based upon Genesis 12.3. Blessing Israel, I will bless you. Blessing Israel, I will bless you. There's a second half to that verse that says, cursing Israel, I will curse you. Wow, amen or ouch. But uh, it is good to bless Israel. God sent the gospel to the Jew first and then <clears throat> the Gentile. Today, if you want to win people to Jesus, honor the Jew and God will then bring in the Gentile. We were on Sid Roth, my wife and I, and I said a wonderful time with Sid. And he said the two main things I think in Messianic vision ministries are one winning the jews to jesus preaching the gospel of jesus the mashiach the messiah the 333 old testament prophecies of the coming the death the burial the resurrection of jesus and he fulfilled them preaching the gospel to the jews and when that happens, a great revival happens in the Gentile community. Additionally, sharing and teaching the knowledge of the glory of God. Because when you teach the knowledge of the glory of God, you learn how to release and honor the Holy Spirit. And when the knowledge of the glory is taught, then the glory is released. And the glory will then set everything in order. You know, it's good to have good doctrine. But in the glory, you have good doctrine. Why? Because you encounter the living God. In 2 Chronicles 5, 14 and 15, they all sang, The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. So all they did was sing, The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever, the Lord. He is good and his mercy endureth forever. They probably did it in Hebrew, though. And as they sang that in one mind, one accord in unity, over and over, God inhabits the praises of his people, Psalms 22.3. And when God arises, his enemies are scattered. So when blessings and praises, or when praises go up, blessings come down. God inhabits the praises. So when the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Simple stanza acknowledging God is good. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance, Romans 2, 4. And when they acknowledged in 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, 5.14, or 5.13 and 14 actually, 5.13 and 14, God's Spirit came in like a cloud. And the ministers were not able to stand up to minister due to the cloud of His presence came in. And when God's presence come in, people are bowled over by the presence of God. I remember it was in 1990, I was in a prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary when the glory of God showed up tangibly as a cloud of his presence. It was like on the floor, the size of a man's hand. I've shared this before. It's actually, I think, in my book on tongues, if I'm not mistaken. If you haven't read that book, you can go online and Get that book that you can download our new mobile app and that book is actually available on the mobile app. So uh, you can get it there and it's also available I think on audiobook now. 
So as the glory of God came into the cell, it which looked like a, a small cloud the size of a man's hand on the ground, and I was quickened to test the spirits, test the spirits, you know. We need to test the spirits. I, I don't think there's enough testing of the spirits going on in the church right now. And I think we need to test the spirits, not as, you know, scrutinizers, but as fruit inspectors, not as judgmental, straining out the gnat and swallowing the camel. I think we're to test all things and hold fast to that, which is good. And we need to test the spirit. So I was a young believer. I mean, I was a couple of months old in the Lord when the glory showed up the first time. And I'd never heard of such a thing. And I looked at this cloud on the floor in this prison cell in Leavenworth Penitentiary in Building 63. And I was with two other prisoners in this 8 by 16 cell. And I was testing the spirits. And I said, do you know Jesus? And when I said Jesus, it sparked gold and platinum or gold and silver, whatever you would want to call it, or gold and white gold. All I can tell you it was gold and like, you know, platinum, gold and silver. And as I said, Jesus, every time, boom, would spark. And the cloud began to expand and thicken and filled the floor and came up about 18 to 24 inches. And I was in the cloud and the cloud was around my legs. And I remember I could look into the cloud. I can stick my hand into the cloud of his presence and as I did it was tangible it was like an energy and as I said Jesus every time I said Jesus Jesus it would spark that gold and platinum and it would be like static electricity almost like a father playing with his child so here I was in for stolen jets multi-kilogram quantities of cocaine lived a, a, a wrong lifestyle as wrong as left two left shoes but in response to my mother's prayers God sent the Holy Spirit to encounter us like they experienced in 2 Chronicles 5, 13 and 14. They could not stand up and minister because or by reason of the cloud in the King James Version. And I remember hearing these words, drink from the cloud. And I thought, drink from the cloud? And I had sinus issues. And I thought, okay, so I'm standing. And so I reach down into the cloud of his presence and I pick up this cloud and as I got ready to drink from the cloud, now remember, there's two other people in this cell. One is Big Jordan's, like hidden up. He's six foot three, about 280, and he was doing life plus 90 and had done 26 out of the last 30 years in federal prison, America's Most Wanted, had kind of a body count, you know. So he, he was not maybe the kindest human being on the planet his whole life, but he was arrested by the presence of God. It was bell tone, silent in there. You could have dropped a pin and heard and all the noise outside down the tier of inmates yelling and screaming and telling jokes and maybe some crass speech was all muffled and silent because we were in the cloud of his presence in that room, that eight by 16 cell. Uh, you know, we had about 200 cockroaches. I didn't see any of them at that time. I don't know if they, uh, you know, had fled to the, the outer skirts or whatever. But as I went to drink from the cloud and it was tangible and I brought it up, it sprang back into itself. And as it sprang back into itself, I, I thought, you know, I just, I'm trying to obey the Lord. So I reached down and pick it up again. And as I get it, it sprang down. And I realized at that point, I needed to kneel into the cloud. So instead of me bringing the cloud to me, I needed to go to the cloud of his presence. And as I knelt down, I humbled myself, I went in and drank from the cloud. As I drank from the cloud, it went down into my lungs and I drank three times and, and it went up into my sinuses and I was instantly healed of sinus issues. You know, a tree is known by its fruit. Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly. The devil, the thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life. And so you have to look at a fruit or the fruit of a manifestation, not just a manifestation. She could have false manifestations. I've seen false manifestations before and 
We're not going to go into that tonight. That's another teaching. I'm talking about you shall receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. That day in that prison cell, or should I say that night, the night was June 6, 6, 6 1990. I remember it because the next day I was going to court to be sentenced. And it was 6-7, and I was going to be sentenced alone. And so that night I thought, you know, I better pray. And so I, I got out of bed and I kind of got, you know, on one knee, you know, and still pretty prideful and, and still, you know, working through some things. It's God's, God's so merciful, isn't he? He's so merciful. I think, you know, often he has to humble himself just to deal with us. But he condescends. He meets us where we're at. You know, Thomas says, I won't believe unless I'm able to put my fingers in your palm prints and put my fingers in your side. Jesus gets raised from dead. He shows up to doubting Thomas. He says, Thomas, here I am. Touch it. He meets us where we're at, and then he lifts us up. You know, giants in the faith don't become giants instantly. They grow. Babies grow into adults. You know, when, when you have a big giant, he started off as a baby giant, but nobody knew how big he would be. And so as I'm in that presence, I, I remember drinking from the cloud and the, the sparking of the gold and the platinum, gold and silver, whatever you want to call it, and just having fun with Father God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in that prison cell. The Word of God is never bound. And He'll show up wherever He's invited or wherever you ask Him to go. My mother's prayers. All those years when I was wayward, she continued to pray and call those things which be not as though they were. And then I was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. And what happened was that cloud of his presence was on the ground about 18 to 24 inches, had like, like blank spots kind of in it where you could see through it and the cloud moved. And I remember I could see my foot when I would move it a little bit and then it would disappear into the cloud. I can't really explain other than that's what it was. And when I drank from the cloud, and so here I was in the cloud of his presence, just like, you know, Adam in the garden in the cool of the day, walking with the Lord God. And there was tough days ahead where there was no cloud. And I had to remember the visitation that strengthened me through that. And my co-defendant, we'll call him Vic because that's the name in the book. And I remember... I began to I began to speak in other tongues. It was a like a mighty rushing wind came out, bubbling forth, like rivers of living water came up out of me, and I began to speak in other tongues, and then I began to speak in English and then speak in tongues, almost sealing the prayer. And what was coming out of my mouth in English was in Vic's mind, because we had the mind of Christ. Collectively, we have the mind. But when you're in one mind, one accord, there's unity. And when God shows up, it will bring you into unity, into the mind of Christ. Our old stinking thinking was purged in that two-hour period of time. And as I would pray in English, Vic would look at me like, these are the very words in his mind, and they're coming out of my mouth in English. And then I would seal them in this utterance of tongues. And, and I would stop. And then all of a sudden the interpretation of tongues would come into Vic's mind and he would speak out the interpretation. So we had the glory of God in the cell. We had the mind of Christ, one mind and one accord. Tongues and interpretation of tongues. So by the way, you think these things have passed away. Just saying. <laughs> Ask him to find out if these things are so. You don't have to believe me. Ask God. I will say this. I'm no longer the person I was. 
Only God can change a life. And he wants to change yours too. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, But tarry here, wait here, for you shall receive dunamis, miracle, working power. If you want that power, it's available for anyone who desires the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that enables you to go forth and release the kingdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul said, When I came to you, I came to you in fear and weakness and much trembling. He didn't say I came to you strong as a Pharisee, having memorized you know, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament by age seven. I obeyed the 613 Levitical laws. Glory be to me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity. The Apostle Paul says, I counted everything as dung when I met him. I got all the degrees and put them in the dung folder because I met the Messiah. And he changed me. I know I've been changed. Angels in heaven done sign my name. When you've been changed, it's not just a thing on the inside that happens. It's a demonstration on the outside. And you have power to walk in love, to forgive your enemies, to turn the other cheeks, to bless those who curse you, to pray for those who despitefully use you because you see things from heaven's perspective because you've been with him. It's like Moses. He's up on the mountain for 40 days. He comes back. His face shone with the glory of God. They're like, put a veil over that. It's too bright. And, and here's what happened. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, after the apostle Paul has knocked off his high horse of pride on the road to Damascus, blinded by the light, Jesus has appeared to him and Ananias is sent to lay hands on him that he might receive his sight and receive the Holy Ghost. And from there, he ends up writing two-thirds in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 18, I thank my God I speak in tongues more than you all. Paul said, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. How do you pray without ceasing? One of the ways is when you don't know what to pray for as you ought, the Holy Spirit helps you and me in our weakness. Who helps the Holy Spirit? He helps us in our weakness and makes intercession for us with groanings. The words cannot express. When I speak in an unknown tongue, I do not speak unto men. I speak to God. In the Spirit, I speak mysteries. Therefore, he who speaks in an unknown tongue ought to pray that he or she might interpret. For in the spirit, you speak mysteries and you edify, you build up your own spirit when you pray in tongues. But in the church, I would rather you speak five words intelligently unless there be an interpreter. So that night in the cell, we had tongues and I had about five different languages, distinct languages came forth through me that night. And Vic had full interpretation of what was coming out of my mouth. And I had the mind of Christ. He had the mind of Christ. And what was coming out of my mouth in English was in his mind in English. And then I got done and I would seal it in tongues and he'd get the interpretation. And all but two, all but two of those prayers were answered within 48 hours, because if we ask anything according to his will, 1 John 5, 14 and 15, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petition we've asked of him. What a better way to get prayer answered than to pray according to his will. How do we know it's according to his will? Because we're praying in the spirit with the mind of Christ. And we're sealing it in tongues and getting interpretation of what a wonderful way to spend time in prayer in the presence of the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul said, When I came unto you, I came unto you in weakness and fear and much trembling, not self-confidence. I came unto you declaring to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That your faith 
would not rest in the persuasive words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, your faith would not rest in the wisdom of men's words, but in the power of God. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, and then if you go over to 1 Corinthians 4, 20, he, he confirms it. He says, the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. And the word power there is dunamis power. You shall receive dunamis, dynamite, miracle working, breaker anointing power to go forth and do signs and wonders. The apostle Paul says in Romans 15, 18, he said, and I came unto you and fully preached, fully declared, fully proclaimed the gospel in mighty signs and wonders to Elycrium, and it goes on. So how did the apostle Paul fully preach? With signs and wonders. By dunamis power that he'd received when Ananias, a non-apostle, laid his hands on Paul, a previous murderer, who's out killing Stephen and holding other people's coats while they're stoning Stephen to death, who's also not an apostle, but is so full of the Holy Ghost, he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Acts chapter 7, verse 55 through 58 through 60. And Stephen, who's not an apostle, but he's waiting on tables, he's assisting, he's in the helps ministry, but as he's faithful, they call him out along with six others, and they lay hands on them. And Stephen gets promoted in faithfulness and in empowerment of the Holy Ghost that signs and wonders as an evangelist begin to flow from his fingertips. He has convincing power, and eventually the Jews of the day were so angry with him that they stoned him to death for his faith. <coughs> they gnashed their teeth at him and ran at him in one accord. And as they were stoning him to death, it says that he looked up and he even said this, I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And then he said these words. See, you can only say these words when you're full of the Holy Ghost, when people are pelting you with stones knocking chunks out of your skull, murdering you. Lord, do not hold this sin to their charge. Jesus on the cross, full of the Holy Ghost. Lord, forgive them. They know not what they do. He could have called for 10,000 angels, but because of the Holy Spirit empowerment, he was able to bless those who cursed him. Pray for those who despitefully use him. Turn the other cheek. And Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost, was able to do the same thing. And because of Stephen being full of the Holy Ghost, he was able to pray a prayer that then released Jesus to go meet Saul on the road to Damascus. Wow. Do you see the importance of being full of the Holy Spirit? In the scriptures, Ephesians 5, 17 and 18, it says, do not be unwise, but understand or understanding what the will of the Lord is. People ask me, David, what's God's will? Well, I can tell you. First Corinthians 5, 17, or Ephesians 5, 17 and 18. They're like, well, I mean, what, what's the will? Should I go work here? Should I go this? Should I marry this person? You know, should I invest in the stock market? Uh, should I go as a missionary? Um, uh, what, what, what? What's God's will? Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, without the empowerment, without that presence of God resting upon us with the fruit of the Spirit, with the love, the joy, and the peace, the Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, or Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the love, the joy, the peace, the meekness, the temperance, the patience, the faithfulness, the self-control. Without that empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we don't have any of that. It's just dead religion. Be not drunk with wine where there's excess and dissipation, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Every 
ministry that's ever birthed starts with the filling of the Holy Spirit. When you go out of your prayer closet filled with the Holy Spirit, things are lined up. You have an unfair advantage, the third person of the Trinity. God, the Holy Spirit, walks with you. Where you're in that Psalms 91 protection, though a thousand fall at your side and 10,000 by your right hand, it will not come near you. You will only see with your eyes and behold the destruction of the wicked. The arrow that flieth by day and the terror that come by night, it doesn't affect you. Why? Because you're clothed in power. And you have that hedge of protection. Things literally bounce off of you. Demons come, they bounce off. They ricochet. They run from you like Peter's shadow cast out demons with mighty signs and wonders. Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, Acts 19, 11, and 12, it would take them from his body and there had been an impartation of Holy Spirit, tangible power that had gone into handkerchiefs and clothing. They took it and they sent it out and when people would touch it, there would be a tangible impartation and it would drive the demon out of the person or healing virtue would come. Peter carried Peter's shadow, which it wasn't a shadow because if it was a shadow, it would only work on a sunny day. But the original language is adumbration or epistizo, the overshadowing of the glory of God that radiates out. I was with a minister in the green room after a service. It was in California. My father was still alive and my wife was there and we met with him afterwards and a very well-known minister traveled the world. And as I was near him, I went to shake his hand and as I shook his hand, my hand got close to his stomach area or his heart area and I could feel the power of God radiating off of him. It was like a as I got close because he still carried that on him because of a Good Friday service, preaching on the blood of Jesus. We had a communion service and the power of God fell. Healings happened. So we met to meet afterwards in the green room. One of his assistants brought me and my wife and my dad there. And, and so we shook hands. When I did, I felt that radiating power off of him. Now I've since had dinner with that same individual on three other occasions. That radiating power was not on them during dinner. So the Spirit of God comes and he goes for manifestation, but he abides out of relationship. So there's the Holy Spirit within out of relationship. Then there's the Holy Spirit upon for ministry and anointing and power and signs and wonders and diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost. And the gifts are for others. The abiding presence is for us out of relationship. So there's the relational anointing between heaven and earth with us and God. And he abides in us. He walks with us. He talks with us in the cool of the day. Then there's that anointing, that power that comes on for ministry, for horizontal use on the earth, across the earth, to release the power, to set the captive free. These signs will follow them who believe in my name. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Somebody slips them a mickey, they'll drink any deadly poison and will not come near them. If a serpent, like happened with the Apostle Paul, came out of the sticks in Acts chapter 28, and it latched onto his wrist, and they thought he was a murderer, and he shook off the venomous beast, and he suffered no harm, then they thought he was a god. He said, no, I'm not a god, but I serve the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob of this God I want to talk to you about. And then he began to lay hands on Publius's mother-in-law and she was healed and a revival broke out, a healing revival. And God turned the whole thing around from shipwreck through Eurachlodon. He survived Eurachlodon only to get bit by a venomous beast, but to shake it off because he had the power and the protective hedge of the third person of the Trinity. Holy Spirit, we honor you tonight. Jesus, we honor you. You said, but wait here and you shall receive power. Lord, we thank you for your power that's made perfect in our weakness. Without you, we admit we're weak with you. 
all things are possible. We believe. We want every promise of Scripture, every promise of the Word of God to be fully manifest in and through us. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, 1 Peter 4, 10, reading on, as though some strange thing happened in you. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had 10 times more wisdom than all the magicians and the enchanters and the sorcerers. What happened? They got thrown into a fiery furnace and they heated up seven times hotter. And the men that threw them in got burned up and died. Yet when they ended up in the fiery furnace, there was a fourth man in the fire. His name was the Son of God, and they suffered no harm. Though a thousand fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand, it will not come near you. You only see with your eyes. Those men that threw him in were burned up and only behold the destruction of the wicked. But not even the smell of smoke. Daniel chapter 3, verses 15, reading on. You shall receive power. 1 Peter 4, 10. Beloved, think it not strange. Because the cup of the anointing comes with the cup of suffering. People don't want to hear that. But the cup, the chalice of the anointing, the empowerment, also comes with the, the chalice of suffering. You can't drink one without the other. There's no free lunch in this thing. Salvation costs Jesus his life on the cross. People say, well, salvation is free. Yeah, it is free. It's not of works lest any man can boast. It is the free gift of God. It is by grace through faith of the work that Jesus did. There's a work that was present for your salvation. It was the work of Jesus on the cross. He died on the cross. He said, it is finished. Tetelestai means bill paid in full. It is finished. And he gave up the ghost. Nobody took it from him. He released his spirit. And he died for you and me. And he was buried in the tomb, but the tomb couldn't hold him. It was a dark Friday, but Sunday was coming. They went back to fishing in 72 hours. They went from these signs and wonders, healing evangelists, casting out demons, to back to fishing. After you have an encounter with God, if you don't have that relationship with him in the word, you'll go backwards. Even after you've experienced and tasted of the power. That's why it's relationship-based. We must seek him while he may be found. That night in that prison cell, I didn't feel like seeking him. I was going to get sentenced in 1990, that next day in June. Didn't even have an unction to pray. It was really more out of rote action, just seemed to be the right thing to do. And the, one of the greatest encounters I've ever had with God was out of just, uh, let me just pray. And by the way, I prayed for two minutes and I was pretty much done as I got up from my one knee. My prideful knee wouldn't go down yet. My humble knee was. And as I got to the end of myself, God began with the Holy Ghost power. You know who... You know, God always answers prayers when we pray. There's never a wasted minute in prayer. People say, well, did God answer the prayer? Yeah, he answered a prayer because I was praying. He answered a prayer that I may not even have asked him for with my known mind, but my spirit man asked. You want to know how he answered the prayer? He changed me. He sustained me. He constrained me. He dropped a different perspective in me. Now, my prayer may not have been answered the way I wanted it, but now I'm positioned in the Romans 8.28 process where God works all things together for good for those that love him that are called according to his purpose. Because I knocked on the door, I ask, I seek, and I knock. For all who ask, it is given all who seek, find, and all who knock, the door is open. You might think 
that because you didn't get the desired result, that God wasn't in it or God wasn't hearing. But reality was you knocked and God opened the door, which led into the hallway to the next door. And then you knocked again and the door opened. And it led to another hallway to the next door. Do you know there's a door behind every door? And there's things in the hallway and sometimes you enter the room. Sometimes it's a treasure vault of God. Sometimes it's just a cheese it some manna to get you through. Sometimes it's a drink of water. Sometimes it's a piece of wisdom or a new direction. But all who ask, receive. All who seek, find. And all who knock, the door is open, even if it's open to a hallway to another door because he is the God that works all things together for good. This thing is fixed for us to win if we do not give up. Don't tap out. Don't stop seeking. Because the word ask, seek, and knock is in the present imperative tense in the original Koine Greek language that the New Testament is written in. That's a Dr. David here obedient thing right there. Okay. So, so but, but there's more to it. The, the, the present imperative tense is a very interesting tense in the Greek. It's a command to do something now with a constant repeated action in the future. So it's not just ask and you will find, seeking, you know, asking you'll be given, seek you'll find. Knock, the door will be open. It's ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock and keep on knocking. Go from door to door to door to door to door till you get into the treasure vault of God where he changes your character in the process before he gives you the prize. But you have need of patience, Hebrews 10, 34 through 35, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Don't give up. It is fixed. It is set for you to win if you don't give up. The devil wants you to tap out. You might say, well, I lost. No, you only lose when you quit. You might have lost a round, but get up again, Rocky. Holy Ghost, oh, Holy Ghost. Get up and go again. Though the righteous man falls seven times, he gets up again. So this word... Ask, seek, and knock is in the present imperative tense, which is a command, very unique tense, a command to do something now with the constant repeated action in the future until the desired result is achieved or received. You want to know what it says in Ephesians 5.18? We talked about this. Don't be drunk with wine, verse 17, 18, but understand what the will of the Lord. Be ye filled with the Spirit. The word filled is the Greek word pleru, P-L-E-R-O-O. Hard breathing mark over there. Oh. Pleru. Pleru. It's in the present imperative tense. It's not be filled with the Spirit in 1990, David. Have an encounter with the Lord in response to your mother's prayers. Have an encounter with God. Play in the presence of God. Drink from the cloud of His presence. Get healed of sinuses. Have tongues, interpretation of tongues. Answer prayer and look back on that experience 32 years later and talk about it as what occurred. No, 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 no. Be ye filled with the Spirit. Be ye filled constantly again and again and again and again. Don't be unwise, not understanding what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine, but be ye Constantly being filled, pleru, with the Spirit. Stop by the filling station often. Get your phone on trickle charge so you have a full charge in the morning. Or don't leave the house. Have you ever forgot to plug your phone in before you went to bed and you pull it out and you're like, 3%? How can that happen? I've got a full day. What am I going to do? So you plug it in and you hope it speed charges and you get up to 53% and then you go out the door and you're nervous because you've only got a partial charge. I've got to shut down some apps. Uh, the background, I've got to put the, the screen brightness lower so I don't run out of battery. Oh my gosh, I've got to use the GPS on the way to work. I've got to stop by. That's eating the battery life. But if you are fully charged when you wake up. 
You're not concerned. You have access to all the apps, all the GPS, all the functionality, all the surfing of the internet to give you all that you need for that day. We have got to get on the charger in prayer and get charged up. Not 3% to 30% or 53%, but fully charged. You know what I do during the day? When I drive from point A to point B, I plug my phone in and I arrive with 100%. I actually have backup batteries that I carry with me just in case. People are around me, they're like, David, you're a battery freak. I said, do you need one? Yes. Here you go. Give them one with a virtual church logo on it. They go home, they're like, save me. I have people come up to me. You know that battery saved me on the way to Europe? That battery saved me on the way to Italy? Do you know I was out of battery life on the plane going to Israel? And I remember you gave me a spare battery and I pulled it out. There was the virtual church logo and I plugged it in and it saved me because I wouldn't have had access to call the person and let him know where I was at because my phone was dead. You know, other people can give you backup battery and pray you through, but it's better if you have your own. People can come jumpstart you through the laying on hands or a word of encouragement or those that speak a word in series and a word in season unto him or her who's weary. With the Isaiah 50 verse 4, I've given you the tongue of the learned that you might speak a word in season season to him or her who's weary to bring refreshing like apples of gold and settings of silver is a word fitly spoken sometimes people call me on the phone they're all freaked out bent out of shape they're all stressed out and the lord will give me some verse of scripture and i'll say oh scripture comes to mind and it rattles off just bubbles out because i'm filled if i'm not filled i'll agree with their problem and we'll both go into the ditch but if I'm filled, I'll pull them out. And if I'm not filled and they're filled, they'll pull me out. We need each other where one can put a thousand to flight, two can chase 10,000, Deuteronomy 32, 30. The apostle Paul was full of the Holy Ghost. He was stoned to death and left for dead and they got around him full of the Holy Ghost. They didn't look at what was taking place in the natural, all bloodied up stoned to death they prayed and he was raised from the dead and he went back into the city and preached the gospel Paul and Silas were beaten bloody for the gospel and they began to praise God and as they praised God their saint came an earthquake and it broke open the prison where they were at but instead of escaping and running they told the centurion, don't worry, we're all here. Because the, the warden or the guard or the head of that prison would have been killed for allowing them to escape. No, we're here. And he says, what must I do to be saved? You must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You and your whole household shall be saved. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery to trial, which is to try you. 1 Peter 4.10. We're back to that verse. As though some strange thing happened unto you. And you know what? God has prepared you for what's coming. God has prepared you for what's coming. The glory of God is going to rest upon you in mighty signs and wonders. And there's going to be some persecution that comes upon you. But you are fully prepared because you are fully persuaded and you're more than a conqueror because greater is he the holy spirit in you than he the devil who's in the world the same gospel was preached unto us as unto them hebrews 4 2 and 3 but it profited them nothing in the wilderness not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Why are you listening tonight? You're getting stirred up in your faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And as the word comes forth, it empowers you. And your spirit man on the inside says, amen, amen. Your mind might not understand it, but it comes in and it starts to trickle up. And then the Lord begins to anchor things in scripture 
and you say, yes, that's true, that's true, and it prepares you. The reason a boxer can often knock out his opponent in one or two rounds is because he didn't train for one or two rounds, he trained for 15. And when you train for 15, you can often destroy or win against your opponent in one or two. But if you train in one or two, you might have to go 15. Or you might get knocked out yourself. When you put your spirit man on the prayer charger and you pray without ceasing and you pray in other tongues, God will build up your human spirit. When I don't know what to pray for as I ought, the Holy Spirit helps me in my weaknesses, Romans 8.26, and makes intercession for me, makes intercession for you with groanings that words cannot express. The original Greek word there is cannot be articulated in human speech. So when a woman is crying out for her son, oh God, can't be articulated in human speech. The groaning, the pain, the sighing, and the Holy Spirit intercedes in a language that the devil can't even tap her line. And then God answers the prayer, and he's the God who answers by fire. 1 Peter 4.10, Beloved, believe it, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try. Remember, the cup of the anointing and the cup of suffering, they come hand in hand. They come side by side. You cannot drink one, the anointing, without drinking the other. We have not preached the full gospel. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Lord, we want the book of Acts power. Do you want the book of Acts persecution? Well, that was for them. Miracle signs and wonders passed away. No, no, they didn't pass away. You need power that the gospel might be fully preached. And when it's fully preached, you'll displace demons in darkness. And when you displace them, they go to dry, arid places seeking rest. Matthew 12, 43 through 45. And when they find none, they come back to the house from whence they came out of. And they see the place swept and garnished and says, Behold, the place is swept and garnished. I will now return to the house from whence I came out of, Jesus says, about the man who got delivered of the demons. And it says, And the demon will take seven spirits more wicked than themselves. And the latter state of the man will be far worse than the former. I had the Lord tell me not to cast a demon out of a guy one time. I said, why not, Lord? You revealed it. He said, he's not ready yet. If you were to cast him out at this time, you would do him a disservice because the spirits would only return with seven more wicked than themselves and the latter state of him would be worse than the former. Pray for him to be healed of the tumor. Tell him he'll be completely healed in seven days. And I did. The tumor shrank in my hand and within three days it was gone. But I guess within seven, everything had cleaned up underneath the skin. But three months later, he was ready to get delivered from the demon. It is the goodness of God that leadeth men to repentance. God will show you his goodness. With loving kindness, he draws you. How God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. Even so, he has committed unto you the ministry of reconciliation. God was in Christ, and now it's Christ in us. The God in Christ by the Holy Spirit becomes the Christ in you. The God in Christ of the gospel becomes the Christ in you of the epistles. Do you know why the book of Acts was written? Because the apostles acted. Wow. The book of Acts was written because they acted. They acted under the anointing of the Holy Spirit when he said, go, they went. They went, they weren't just those who were sent. Where did they get the power? 10-day prayer service. They were in the upper room hiding, scared to death. Remember, they just killed Jesus, God in the flesh. They're hiding. Peter's so scared, he denies Christ three times. They're hiding in an upper room, but they're on the charger, getting fully charged up. And then the power came. 
you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost cometh upon you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts of the earth, Acts 1.8. The word witnesses, do you know what that word is in the original Greek? It's the word martus. It means martyr. You'll be willing to die for my name. I'm going to give you power that will enable you not to deny me, Peter, in front of a 14-year-old girl. I don't know if she's 14. But in front of a young girl. In fact, Peter, you denied me in front of a girl and then cursed to prove that you weren't one of the way. The good news is the power I'm about to give you will enable you to be martus. Instead of running and scared and hide and denying me three times, sneaking around and feeling condemned and guilty and shame and condemnation, you're going to have power that's going to enable you to be my witness. You'll be willing to martus, be martyred for my name. Do you know 168,000 were martyred for Christ last year worldwide? That's a lot. A lot of nations, it's illegal to even preach the gospel. In this nation, it's getting close, but nothing like it is in other nations where they think they're doing God a service when they blow you up, when they shoot you on a drive-by, when they burn your church down, or when they capture you and cut off your hands and wrap barbed wire around it, and then they put a tire over you and pour gasoline on the tire and then they light it on fire and they keep the family members away for the first 60 seconds to 90 seconds. And then once the tire has now become part of your skin, they encourage the family members to try to pry it apart because they know they cannot at that point. And they traumatize them even more. And then they control the people in the villages that name the name of Christ with matches that they leave on their doorstep to say, you're next. Is that too much? It is the gospel, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you that will enable you to be willing to die for my name's sake. But the good news is you're going to have power where signs, wonders, miracles, diverse gifts of the Holy Ghost, demons come out, Peter's shadow heals the sick with the adumbration, the episkizo of the overshadowing Colossians 1.27, Christ in you. The hope of glory shines out of you. And when you're in the room, you're not a thermometer taking the temperature, a thermostat changing the temperature because you're an agent of change because the third person of the Trinity has taken residence within you and you stay on the charger. You stay on the charger. You stay on the charger and you have full access to all the apps, full access to word of knowledge and word of wisdom and tongues and interpretation of tongues and the working of miracles and the supernatural wonder-working faith of the Holy Ghost. Tongues interpretation and you have the gifts of healing in your hands because you're on the charger. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. God wants you to have a visitation. But he doesn't want that visitation to be temporary. He wants it to become a habitation. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. As we tarry there. Whew. And he tells me I am his own. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. As we tarry there. As ever known. You don't even have to remember the words for this to be anointing. You can feel the presence. Surely the presence 
of the Lord is in this place. I can feel his mighty power and his grace. I can hear the brush of angels' wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. Lord, I pray that your presence would be tangible, that those that are listening, Holy Spirit, we invoke your presence the same presence that showed up in my prison cell 32 years ago in front of two witnesses in response to my mother's prayers. We ask that that Holy Spirit empowerment would come. It would be like the Second Chronicles 5, 13 and 14, where as they sang unto the Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever, that the presence would fall in a tangible way they would not be able to stand up by reason of the cloud of your glorious Shekinah manifest, tangible, visible presence that can be felt and wrap us around them, meeting every need. We thank you for your presence right now. And I declare in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God, you shall receive dunamis power. Receive his power right now and be filled afresh with the Holy Ghost. Be filled afresh now with the dunamis power of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Just take a deep breath in and say, I receive Thank you, Lord. Take another breath in, you say, I receive. Thank you, Lord. Fill me, say, I fill me, Lord. Fill me, fill me, fill me. He'll answer your prayer because if you ask anything according to his will, you know that he hears you. And if he hears you, you have the petition you've asked of him. Be not drunk with wine, wherein there's excess and every foolish thing, but be ye being continually filled and charged up with the dunamis power of the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen. I'm David Herobedian and I approved <laughs> this message for it seemeth good to us and to the Holy Ghost. Spend some time in his presence even now. And let him minister to you. The same God who showed up on Pentecost. The same God who showed up in 2 Chronicles 5.13 and 14. The same God that showed up in Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons. The same God that showed up in the fiery furnace. The same God that showed up through Moses with the power encounters with the magicians, Janice and Jabbers, the same God that showed up through Elijah and they answered and served the God who answered by fire, the same God who showed up in that prison cell. He's visiting you now because he loves you just the way you are. But he loves us way too much to leave us in our current condition as we're transformed into the image and likeness of his Son by the Spirit of the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. Through you is diffused the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. 1 Corinthians 3, 3. To one it's the aroma of life unto life. To the other it's the aroma of death unto death. The same gospel is preached unto us as unto them. But it profited us because we mixed it in faith. And the power of God fell. It is fixed for you to win. 
God bless you. We'll see you next week. Visit us at Virtual Church Media. God bless you richly. Love you in the Lord.